Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. So we've got Alex, the CEO of Rovio today, largely to talk about the, the Sega acquisition and really what is next for Rovio um, and what that really means and maybe a little bit of backstory to how the whole acquisition happened as well. Um, so thank you very much for sitting down with us today. And Thanks for coming. Um, so before we jump into the whole, the Sega stuff, obviously the big topic, um, I wanted to go a little bit into your background really and how you sort of even came into the industry and what your sort of background initially was and all the way obviously being CEO of Rovio now. Sounds good. So what was your like initial spark of interest in gaming then? Well, that's an interesting question because I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I never considered myself like a hardcore gamer mm -hmm. from the beginning. I, you know, I, I was passionate about certain games that I've played uh, when I was a kid, you know, just talking about it. So many memories are coming back. But like when I entered university, it was not to do this, right? So I was computing, I was studying computer science and mathematics. And um, so there was, this was a, a co-op program. So we were studying four months and then working for four months. Yeah. And um, so employers were coming to interview us, you know, students. And I just thought that the game, the game people were just cool, right? I mean, they look smart, but they didn't take themselves too seriously. And like, it just sounded like a great industry to be part of. And uh, so that, you know, I did my first intern internship in, 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 as a programmer yeah. in one of those companies. And I just stayed for, you know, the following 20, 23 years. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, so that's 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 how it started. Nice. And then from obviously being a programmer, generally moving up the levels of like more responsibility, more senior roles, and then obviously you know because to get to a position that you are in now, you must have progressed quite a lot in your career. So what was that like? Like, were there any? You, you preferred that managerial aspect or that more responsibility? I suppose. Well, back then I didn't know, and that was a. Uh... That was a big question for me because, like, the, the reality is that you, you need to picture yourself in a world where, you know, that's the beginning of 2000s, right? There's no Apple App Store, there's no, you know, Google Play Store. Mm -hmm. um, we were there, I was working at a company called Gameloft. We were there at the very beginning of mobile gaming, and we were doing black and white games on small Nokia handsets, right? And uh, a very different industry. But what was particular about it is that sometimes you had to be physically present in certain countries to develop games for, you know, for that country. So if you wanted to develop games for the US market, you had to be in the US. So at some point I was a programmer and um, I was asked to move in, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina, to open the studio there of all places to um, just, you know, recruit programmers and train them so that they can create games, you know, mobile games in the US. And so that started something um, and I guess I was labeled, you know, the, the guy that created the studio. So I was sent to to different places in the world to, you know, create studios or reorganize studios to, you know, to develop game for us. And uh, so I went to after the U.S. I went to uh, to Vietnam, Brazil, Argentina, so a bunch of places like this. And it was super fun. Uh, eventually moved back to to France, but you know, it was not like. I was really, at the beginning of this process, I was really a programmer, mm -hmm. training programmers. And at some point, you know, it moved towards more managerial tasks. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit strange the way I entered this. And at some point, it was a big question for me because I, I really liked being a programmer. I was, yeah. uh, you know, a competitive programmer. I liked programming. And I, you know, we, we had this little 
rivalry between you know our, our, my my peers, and uh, I f I feared that if I would move to uh, more managerial tasks, yeah. then I would start being really bad at programming, yeah. which is, you know, I can tell you 20 years later, I am pretty bad at programming, <laughs> yeah. but like that was a big question at some point for me. So, uh, so I, I did not intend to go in that direction, but it just happened. Yeah. Was there any like pivotal moments or anything that really significantly changed your career? Was there a moment where you're like, right, okay, no, I am going down that more managerial side. That's, yeah. that's what I enjoy. I'm, I am going to leave the, the programming stuff behind yeah. because at some point you will have had to you know, put it down and not continue because you, you're more on that managerial aspect. So was there a particular moment that you can remember around that? Well, yeah, I mean, like that, so that was one at some point. So I think there's like, yeah, three big pivotal moments that I remember in my career. And that was one of them, right? Like the, the like leaving programming part. And um, I had to, I was asked to go open a studio in Brazil. And I was like, okay, you know, if I do this, this is really something else that's that's no longer... You know, I'm, man I'm a manager, but also a programmer, a training programmer, and I'm I'm really focusing on managing team, recruiting was teams. Was with Game Off? It was with oh, Game Off, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that was a big moment, uh, pivotal moment in my career. Another another point where I really had to stop and ask myself, you know, is that the right call? Um, there was a bit a bit of drama with Game Off, if you remember, in 20, 2016 when Vivendi. Uh, acquired Game Love. Mm -hmm. And back then it was a, an hostile acquisition, which rarely happens in our industry. And uh, so, you know, that created a lot of uncertainty because those processes like take a lot of time. And we've, I've seen it again with Sega, which was not an hostile acquisition, right? And it really takes a lot of time to acquire a company this size. Mm -hmm. And when it's hostile, there's no discussions really between the employees and, and the potentially new, new owner. Um, so people were a little bit freaking out in the company and didn't know what what to expect. So, uh, and I was asked at that point to leave the company with the uh, former management to create another one, right? And um, and I really asked myself the question: Is that the right move for me? But like because of all of the uncertainty and because I felt that my team really felt insecure about you know Vivendi coming in and what this would mean for for them and their career i felt like i had to stay right i had to you know you have to stay with your team in in the in such a uh, an intense moment so I, I i decided to stay as well so that was a it was a big pivotal moment and 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 lastly i, I think becoming ceo of rovio was not a big one yeah cuz again i'm from a a product background, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's the, we were listed back then, we're no longer listed now, but we were listed, so being the CEO of a listed company is not something that, uh, or I thought, that is not something that's very common to have someone from, more from a product perspective. You have a lot of time people that have an MBA, and yeah. they, they come from a business background, they're lawyers or um, you know bankers, and they know how to speak to investors and analysts, and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know those mm -hmm. people, I know how to talk to game people, that's <laughs> yeah. what I love, right? And um, so that was a big question but in the end uh turns out that you know investors like talking about the product as well yeah. so that that was that was i'm super happy that i did it it was actually an advantage to come from a product background yeah, i yeah. think to to make that move. how does that even happen like how does somebody get asked to become you know the ceo or the, the right background yeah. towards that because i'm sure not many people you know tend to know like you'll see it on linkedin or the new ceo of, of this company but how does that even you know like come to be yeah, I mean, probably every situation is different. But uh, so I was heading games for Rovio. I joined in 2019. And I think Rovio has went through 
a transition where, you know, at some point they were doing a lot of things, right? The first Angry Birds movie was done internally, yeah. right? So they, they were doing a lot of things internally. And at some point they really wanted to focus on games. And I guess the board thought that maybe it made sense to have someone that came from a game background. So they asked me, it was, you know, end of 2020, um, if I, you know, was interested uh, in this position. And uh, after thinking about it a little bit, I just yeah. said yes. But yeah, as I said, I think, you know, all of those things are different. I was not really seeking for this. It was yeah. just like yeah. the next step. Just yeah, no. yeah. And how then, you know, from setting up studios in various countries, obviously leaving your, your programming background to, to now, how has your leadership style or your managerial style evolved and adapted and changed over the course of your career then? Well, I can tell you that it it had to change when I arrived in in Finland, because yeah. um, I was coming from a company that was um, quite top down, mm -hmm. you know, in the way that they were doing things. So, a, a few people in leadership position, very high up, were giving instructions, and the rest of the company pretty much executes on those instructions. And so, my natural you know reflexes that i built over the years uh, did not really work well here because <laughs> because in, in finland or i think in the nordics generally speaking we believe very much in empowerment at rovio it's super important right so people don't want to execute anything right they want to they want to be part of the decision making they want to understand why does it make sense they want to challenge as well like are you sure that's it that it makes sense right so they want to be part of the uh, decision making process which mm -hmm. is super important in the culture here so like i really had to adapt i had the uh, discussions. I'm very grateful of the pe the team here because they were open enough to tell me, hey, you know, this way of working, it's not yeah. going to work here, and you, you need to rethink the way that you're, you know, you're thinking about the strategy. So, um, so that really changed at that point. I'm grateful for it. That was that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come in the Nordics because I understood in the interview process with Rovio that things were done differently yeah. here. So, did you find the the change? difficult that it take you a long time to, to come up to speed with obviously like you say how it's done in the nordics or is it quite easy well i mean it's just that you know at some point when you've been doing things a certain way for a number of years that it's yeah. it takes some time but i loved every minute of it yeah. right like this this made sense to me and uh that was a great lesson uh for me as well so yeah i mean i would say that this was a pleasant process nice and obviously, it, Rovio was a, you know, still is a really successful company, like you said, listed and then now acquired by Sega. And it was just over 700 million euros, I think it was. So, you know, huge acquisition, like you said, takes a long time to do. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people listening and um, I was really keen to hear from your side, like how this whole process came about, the backstory to it, you know, who, who sort of made the first move as well. Right, like, right. What, so could you give us a little bit of insight to the, the backstory of it first? Well, I mean, for sure, there's more to it than what you could read <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. in the media. It's been a, a long journey. Um, and the reality is that, listen, like interest in Rovio uh, is not something new, right? There's, mm -hmm. I think, you know, at some point there was a lot of consolidation in the industry. And I think, you know, like what I hear from my friend in the industry, we were part of the discussion in boardrooms around the world of many companies. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when I became CEO, the owners were not really interested in those sorts of discussions. Why? Because they felt like 
the valuation that you saw of Rovio in the public market was not representing its value. Mm -hmm. um, we were traded at very low multiples compared to our peers for you know whatever reason. I don't want to get into this now, but like yeah. that's that's a longer discussion. But uh, but that's the that's the reality, right? So, and a couple of years after, you know, we're in twenty twenty two, like the consolidation really. Uh, started to accelerate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, like beginning of 2022, um, Zynga announced that you know they would, uh, or, or Take Two announced that they would they would purchase uh, Zynga, which was the biggest transaction in the history of an, of our industry, and it lasted eight days because eight days later Microsoft announced that they they were interested in, in buying Activision. So like, the, 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 yeah, it was really. Uh, uh, a lot of things were happening, and I think at that point, you know, people like the the uh, the, the owners were really thinking, well, you know, maybe now nice. could be a good time, and but they were not in any rush. Mm -hmm. um, so we started discussing. I said, well, listen, like maybe I'll start thinking about who could be a good partner for us. Yeah. So, but knowing that this is a very long process, and of course, Sega was was in the list of those those good potential partner partners. So started discussing with a handful of people, including Sega, but you know. Sega is a Japanese company. They're very thoughtful and strategic, and they take their time. They evaluate everything. So I went there a couple of times. They came here with the team. They investigated the culture, yeah. our tools. You know, it really, uh, it's kind of a dating process, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you want to make sure that there's a great match. Um, and during that time, some other companies were interested in uh, acquiring us, and some might have been. Maybe less interesting from our perspective, right? And uh, so, in January of the following year, Playtech announced that they they would uh, uh, they were interested in buying Rovio, which is also very strange, right? In the Nordics, like doing a public announcement mm -hmm. like this that you're interested in buying another company is not something that we see. Um, so did you know that they were going to announce that? No, that no, that was okay. <laughs> surprise. Like, I received you know an SMS <laughs> and saying, "Oh, you know, have you seen the news?" And it's okay. like, no. Um, so that was a big, big surprise for myself, for the board, obviously, and um, because usually those things, it's just discussions that happen between the board and the, yeah. the acquirers. And, um, so, but like, them making an announcement like this was, was good news and bad news, right? So it was bad news because, you know, quite honestly, I don't think that's a secret. There, I am nothing against people, you know, work on Playtica, but their reputation, um, Especially here in Finland, was not great. Mm -hmm. uh, why? Because you know they acquired seriously, and then they closed the company after a few years. So like, and we recruited a lot of people from seriously as well here. So it was not a great, uh, great reputation. So we were afraid, of course, that uh, our employees might react negatively yeah. to this news because if they would, if they thought that this was a real uh, possibility that we would get acquired by by Playticket, you know, maybe that was not good for them. Um, so we really had to take this seriously and you know, have very transparent meetings with the staff and explaining what was really going on. But at the same time, there's very little you can say because you're traded, so there, there's not anything you can share to your employees that you don't share to the yeah, market. Yeah, so yeah. so that, that was complicated. We tried to really reassure everyone how, to the best of... Just in a bit more detail on that, then how did you go about doing that? Well, I mean, the day that this was announced, right, we uh, we had an all-hand meeting, right. and uh, with our general counsel here, myself, a CFO, and said, you know, listen, um, ask whatever you want, we'll 
answer what we can, yeah. understand that this is complicated, what we can answer, but also keep in mind that uh, at this point, there's really nothing, right? They made a public announcement, but there's we don't even have a formal offer on the table. Mm -hmm. So like we're very far from anything yeah. happening. So don't worry, you know, and um, we try to, you know, reassure them to the best uh, of you know what we could do what was the reaction to that like was it well i mean well? i think i think they appreciated mm -hmm. the honesty and the openness but of course you have in the back of your mind well, yeah but what if right like yeah. you know, can they really do something about it right like the, i know that the management is really trying to you know quote unquote pro protect us from from such a situation but would they uh is that going to work mm -hmm. and um so I think it was well received, but I think you always have the idea in the back of your mind. And that's not comfortable for an employee. Yeah. And I really, you know, when we did our, our kickoff, I really spent some time thanking them for this because like, I, you know, it's, it's not fun to go to work and not, not being sure of what's going to happen with the company in a couple of months time. Right. So it's, yeah. um, but anyway, like they, uh, it turns out that the discussion, like the, the good news, I was saying, you know, that's good. That's that, that's a good news and bad news to receive like this sort of, you know, public um, announcement like this. The the good news is that I could go then to Sega and other, mm -hmm. let's call them preferred partners mm -hmm. and tell them, hey, maybe now is the time to make a move yeah. if you want to do it because like things are moving. Right. So and um, so that's how. You know, a couple of months later, Sega announced that, okay, you know, yeah. they wanted to acquire right. Rovio. And then the rest, I mean, I, I would love to say what the rest was a formality, but when you're a, when you're a public company, there's a lot of formalities. We, just, <laughs> we actually just closed the last, the last, or we're in the process of closing the last few formalities now. But yeah. we're really part of the family now. We, nice. we feel we're part of Sega. Nice. And you said there's obviously a couple of different partners or preferred partners, which you think, yeah, they could be a good option. You said it was like dating as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Going on a couple of dates with these companies and yeah, trying it out. Yeah. What was it particularly, you know, what, what, why Sega? What was it really about them that you thought, you know, this is the company for us? Well, I mean, I think, you know, in the, in the discussion, it was clear there was a lot of mutual respect, right? Mm. Of course, Sega, you know, I grew up playing their games, yeah. right? And, um, and I think for them as well, they had a lot of respect for what we did with Angry Birds. And uh, so we're both companies that, uh, you know, transmedia companies, which have multiple touch points with, mm -hmm. with our brands. Um, but I think the main point for, for them and for us was how complementary both companies were because they're really good at console games, PC console games, uh, creating IPs. And we're really good at mobile games, especially mm -hmm. in the West. And that's maybe something that they were missing mm -hmm. and they wanted to expand on that. So, you know, it just made sense. Yeah. And we also had a series of tools that they could really benefit from uh, as well for, you know, operating games as services. So it was, it was like this perfect fit, right? And yeah. we knew that they, they value um, just like, they respect the brand, they respect, you know, innovation and creativity. And it's not just about, you know, short term view on the metrics and things like that. So it was it was just a just great a fit. fit. Nice. Was there any times within the whole process? Like I say it takes a long time, so much to consider, which you thought this isn't gonna happen, you know, were there any turbulent <laughs> times or any particular challenges that were really difficult to get over? That well, you can mention. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's. The, <laughs> I can tell you that you know that that was a long process, and um, 
Yeah, with, with ups and downs. And uh, I mean, I always knew that there was this great fit with Sega, that they were very interested. But, you know, back then it was a, a tough year at some point for consolidation. Consolidation really stopped for a while because of the economic situation. Uh, that was a year, the first ever year of decline for the mobile gaming industry. So it was, it was hard to, um, to see that a company, like especially like I said, a very thoughtful strategic company would pull the trigger in a moment of uh, financial uncertainty. Um, so I didn't know if this would happen now or it would take a little bit more time. So I was very happy and grateful to see that it did. Mm -hmm. And how did then the two companies, you said it was a perfect fit in terms of expansion in the market, you said obviously Seg on the, the mobile side, like what strategic partnerships do you see between the two companies for the future? What does that look like, you know, Rovio and Sega together in the industry? Yeah, so I think, you know, I don't want to announce <laughs> anything today, but let's put it this way. It would be surprising if we would not be working on a Sonic game right now, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> just because it's such a great brand yeah, for yeah. the West and underserved on, on, on mobile, I think, you know, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so that's for sure one thing. On the flip side, um, Angry Birds on PC console with an original title, that would be great as well. Yeah. So, you know, let's see how this shape shapes up. Um, so yeah, lots of uh, different initiatives like that. Uh, we, we have a lot of share of things to share as well on the way that we handle transmedia, what's our relationship with you know, how we do movies and series and how do we think about this. And so there's a lot of discussions going on on, on that, that front nice. as well. And from the, the cultural perspective of the two companies, like say, um, say being Japanese and very different cultures and yeah. the Nordics and the West as well. How does like, is there any integration there between, you know, like, is the Rovio culture going to be the same as it was before, or is there any differences now, obviously, with, with the acquisition? Well, there's been a, a few surprises mm. from my perspective with the acquisition. First of all, the Finnish and Japanese culture, they fit pretty well. Yeah. And um, so I don't know if it's Sega or the Japanese culture, generally speaking, but the... Uh, so, Shuji Utsumi, which is, you know, I'm, I report to, mm -hmm. uh, it's this guy, like, he comes here, speaks to the employee in a very direct way it's not hiding anything you can ask him any question and he's going to answer so like very very similar to what the rovio culture is about mm -hmm. so you know from that front i think the relationship is going well but probably also the most important part is that they give us a lot of autonomy mm -hmm. and that's important first of all to keep our culture mm -hmm. it's something that we value as well as rovian that's something that we do with our own teams internally so I don't see how this the the culture would be impacted in such an environment. So they, they have deep respect for the culture. Uh, they let us handle the business like we used to, and they also have a similar culture. Of course, you know, like I'm not gonna say you know everything is is exactly the same. Of course, Japanese companies uh, they 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 have a lot of processes, and sometimes we're more you know to the point and uh, maybe a little bit more agile. Um, so you know. But so far, we've found ways of making this work pretty well. Yeah, nice. And how was that? You said when Playtica were involved in the mix there and they had that announcement, maybe the culture or the mood of, of you know, Rovians at the time was uh, maybe a little unsettling. There was some things that need to be cleared up. Once it was all announced with Sega and, you know, th this is the direction that we're going, what was the feeling amongst like Rovians then? Was it 
quite positive. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after this year of uncertainty, first of all, you know, knowing that this is over, now we know where we're going, yeah. and uh, and second, that it's a company that they respect. Yeah. Um, I think you know that really helped settle things. From a leadership standpoint, obviously you've been the, the CEO, and how was it trying to get the the senior leaders within the team, you know, everybody going towards the same goal during the whole process where you said before there obviously were turbulent times and challenging periods, you know, for, for you as a, a leader being in this position, yeah, how was it like getting everybody together, you know, getting it over and eventually obviously having everything done and dusted and now, like you say, you can move forward. How was that experience for you? Well, I think it, from a leadership perspective, I would say it was a team building experience in mm. a way because you know you're going through adversity and you have to the the big thing that happens as well is that we have a board of director um, we still do right which is very different now but we 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 had a board of director and um at some point you know that this is going to change right the the whole the whole structure that is above the leadership team of Rovio is changing. We go from one board of director to another one, which is you know just from one company, right, mm -hmm. from Sega. And so the leadership team here is the only thing that keeps things stable in mm -hmm. a way because everything above them is changing. Mm -hmm. And um, so they were very much cognizant of this. And uh, they knew that they had to, you know, keep everything stable as much as they could, even though everything was changing for them, and uh, you know, reassure their teams. And um, they did that very well. And I think, yeah, I think that was a team building experience. Nice. And then obviously, like you said, you've just closed up the last formalities and it seems like you said, we're looking ahead now, it's all, all done and dusted. You mentioned a couple of the potential things that might be coming out. Um, I had a question with like looking ahead, what, what's next for Rovio in the next five years or so? Is there anything else you could perhaps expand on that that you can say in the next sort of five years? Yeah, I mean, I think, so if I think about it strategically, mm -hmm. when we think about the next five years, I think Rovio would have played a critical role in leading Sega's mobile expansion in the West. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a big thing for us that we're, uh, very much working on. Um, another thing is that we will have brought Angry Birds to other platforms as well. Mm. I really believe in this idea of, you know, that people want, they don't really care about the console, the platform, right? They just want to be in contact with the brands that they love mm. wherever they are. Um, so that's going to be another another big thing for us. Uh, so Angry Birds is going to continue to expand and we would have helped Sega with their different IPs really expand on mobile in the West. Nice. Um, and are there any areas of innovation at the minute? Obviously, there's a lot of new new tech coming out. There's a lot of discussion about AI a lot of the times as well in the gaming industry. Is there any particular areas of innovation that Robio wants to explore over the next couple of years as well? Yeah, I mean, of course, AI is a big one. We've been um, we've been working with AI for for years. I think most of it is not actually super impressive from an external perspective because it's really things that are happening under the hood, right? So how do you make games seem from from a user perspective? What we want is that games are fun, 
whether or not you're skilled or not at a game, right? We want, we want our games to, uh, to adapt to the, the, the play style of different users. So that's definitely something we're working on. But one thing that I think we're in a very good place to pioneer uh, with Sega is to push this idea of transmedia way further. Mm. So what I mean is that we have multiple touch points with our brands. We're doing movies, we're doing series, we're doing uh, games on many platforms. So how do those things interact together? Uh, I think we're only seeing the beginning of it, and uh, and I think we're ideally positioned to to move that forward. You mentioned previously that the the movie initially was all done in house as well. The first the, the first, first Angry Birds. That, so that's not the case anymore. No, no, that, no. We uh, we use uh, so internally we focus mostly uh, on games, on games and uh, and then we use we work with different partners for for this. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, um, what would you perhaps foresee as the, the biggest challenge facing Rovio then in the, if we're looking towards the future? I think if we're talking about mobile gaming right now, there's a lot of changes. Uh, in Europe, we talk a lot about the DMA, uh, Digital Market, Market Act. And um, so what's, what is this going to imply for game companies? Um, we know that the cost of acquisition keeps on um, increasing. It uh, makes things very hard to acquire new users. So for us, the way that we tackle this, of course, is the transmedia strategy. So we have different touch points. We have brands that are known across the industry, which help us with, with acquiring users organically. Or, mm -hmm. uh, But the other thing as well is that we want to create this direct relationship with consumers mm -hmm. uh, without having to always um, rely on um, on those big companies to do the distribution between us, right? We want to have this direct relationship. So we have this, this thing that is called the uh, Red Club um, that will enable this, this relationship. So you could go, for instance, to our own website and have play games online or have access to special offers. Uh, that you would not have, you know, if you were just, you know, focusing on one platform. Yeah. So that's that's the direct relationship with consumers. Really, something we want to double click on. Nice. Uh, and then a couple of bonus questions. Got a couple of um, asked for us when we announced. Obviously, we we're doing the podcast with yourself. A couple of people got in touch and wanted to ask a couple of questions. So one of them was, um, what advice would you give to any aspiring leaders that obviously um, <laughs> want to make their own mark in the gaming industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, I feel, I don't know if many people feel like that, but every time that I had an opportunity to enter into a new role, I was asking myself the question, am I ready to do this? Do I have what it takes to do this? And, or should I you know, sit on it for a couple of years and see what happens? The reality is that the market, we're lucky to be in a market that changes so much all the time. But as a result, nobody's ever ready. So you just, you just have to do it yeah. and, uh, and accept the fact that you're going to be wrong and you're going to make mistakes and you just you know, learn from those mistakes and you, you keep on going, right? So, uh, so jump on those opportunities and accept the fact that uh, you will fall and you, know, you will learn from this yeah. and, and just continue going forward. We had a couple of people ask this question, actually, um, as to be expected, I imagine, at the minute. But what are your thoughts on the industry at the moment? Obviously, it's um, we've seen thousands of layoffs across, you know, loads of different companies. Yeah. The, the economy is not in a great state, you know, worldwide because of everything that's happened. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on how that impacts not just Rovio, but the gaming industry as well at the moment? 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, you're right, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of layoffs. I, I don't know that this is completely over yet. Um, let's see what happens in the year to come. But I, I'm really uh, bullish on the long term mm -hmm. uh, of the industry. So I think we're going through a couple of tough years, but there's no doubt in my mind that this industry will continue mm -hmm. to grow. Um, so maybe you know we see some of the companies that are scaling down, but we also see new companies that are uh, super innovative mm. coming, right? So those companies will grow and hire more people. Um, so you know, I, I think it's a it's a temporary uh, some temporary headwinds that we have, but in the long term, it will for sure continue to grow. Yeah. I'm hopeful that it will as well. Yeah. As well, it, it needs to. Um, two more questions then. Um, is there anything that you would wish? you had known earlier throughout your journey um, or any particular pieces of advice that people had given you as you obviously started to move up into more senior, you know, higher positions in studios? Is there any particular things people have said to you or advice mm. you'd not wish you'd known earlier? I think we'll, we'll link to one of the answers that I gave earlier, which is I think at some point, especially when I guess you're in your 20s, I, 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 uh, I felt like I had to be like the smart, the smartest person in the room, right? I, I, you know, I was working like crazy all the time because I wanted to know everything, and and this come back, this comes back to this idea of empowerment, right? I felt that something that I learned after years, right, is that sometimes that's not the way to do it. You need to just surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are yeah. at at what they're doing, and and you're like, you know, you're just trying to enable them, right, and make make sure that they're uh, they have all of the uh, the responsibilities that they can have in order to in order to you know uh, flourish in their in their in their role. So it was really about shifting from trying to I wanted to do everything. I was in the middle of everything, and um, that was not the right way to do it. And uh, I was burning myself, you know, doing this. And uh, and now I guess I. I uh, I'm trying to find the right people to be around me and it's much more comfortable for myself and for those people as well. Absolutely. Um, and being a CEO and going through acquisitions like this must have, you know, a tremendous amount of challenges and, and um, you know, must have to deal with a lot of situations, must come with a lot of benefits as well. Um, so what is your favorite part of your job, like favorite part of being a CEO? Why, why would you want to be in this position? Well, I mean, you get to, you get to make a difference, right? To, in the culture of the company, what's important for the company, and the people that you hire. Uh, so you know, having an impact—that's mm. uh, that's obvious. Um, as far as the best part of where I'm spending my time, and I, I you know, really like. Uh, it's just being, you know, I love, that's the story of, of my career. I love being surrounded. I'm not a very creative guy myself, I'm, but I love being surrounded by creative people. Yeah. So like when people talk to, to me about their games, what they want to do, the universes that they want to create, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm passionate. I'm a fan and I'm listening and yeah. I'm, you know, that's the best part of the job for sure. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's all my questions. Thank you very much for sitting down with Thank us. Thank you for tonight. coming. Yeah. Brilliant.